Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. And one day I saw my son in the dining room wearing headphones and he was walking around miming or talking and being really aggressive. And I thought he was listening to music, but I realized nothing was plugged in. Like Mm. he didn't, there was nothing coming through the headphones. I just kind of watched him. And then he took the headphones off and threw them against the wall. And I go, whoa, what are you doing? And he said, I'm playing football coach. My guest today is Dr. Antonio Harrison. Dr. Harrison is a board-certified behavior analyst at the doctorate level. Good morning. Thank you, Dr. Harrison, for joining us on the Coaching Call podcast. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and to share uh, my experience. Absolutely. And definitely want to know all about it. So you are a football coach. Yes, I coach high school football, and I'm also a virtual reality fitness coach. Mm, I definitely want to know about both. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, how did you uh, become a football coach? Uh, So I've been an athlete all my life, and I played college football, but I had a really nasty, nasty injury my senior year. I had to come back home from the Midwest to just have physical therapy, and I graduated, and I was working, and my old alma mater high school, one of the coaches reached out and said, hey, we have a position for an assistant coach. Would you be interested? I said, yeah, sure. I I don't know what else to do with myself right now. And uh, next thing I know, after that one year, I was promoted to head coach. And I was Mm. the, I think, third youngest head coach in the state of California and the fifth youngest in the nation. I was like 23 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's been coaching ever since. Um, I was a head coach for six years. I took two years off uh, at the request of my eldest son. And I ended up going to another school and becoming the assistant head coach and defensive coordinator. So that'll be uh, seven years for them coming up, which would have been this season, but with COVID, we didn't. So. Gotcha, gotcha. So, but you're also a doctor. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So, like I said, after the injury from, from football, I didn't know what to do with myself. 
And I've always loved school. So I reached out to an undergrad professor and said, hey, what do you think I should do with respect to if I want to go back to school? And he said, check out behavior analysis, the science of human behavior. And I did. And it made mm-hmm. sense. And so I went to a program that was five years for a master's and PhD. I went through the whole five years, had my first child while I was there, was coaching, working full time. And by the end of it, I was Dr. Antonio Harrison. And I've been also teaching graduate school and doing research in the world of health, sports and fitness ever since. Uh, This is actually my last term teaching grad school after 12 years. I'm time to move on. I hear you. I hear you. Very interesting. All all that you have done. And it all stemmed from an injury. It did. It did. It was pretty bad. I... I thought I was going to end up playing professional ball. Now, whether or not that was going to actually happen, mm. you know, that might have just been a dream. I was a four-year starter in college, and I thought I was going to play professional, whether or not that was going to actually happen. Who knows? Mm. But, I mean, I was the freshman athlete of the year, two times all-conference. And my senior year, the very first game, the inside of my ankle touched my groin. Mm. And, I mean, I didn't just tear things in my knee. They exploded. Wow. And I, they had... It was ACL, PCL, MCL, uh, IT band, hamstring, uh, meniscus, and a complete knee and shin dislocation. And no one touched me. I just came down on it the wrong way. Wow. And, you know, so I was cast at hip to toe for nine months. I had four surgeries in a single night, essentially. And uh, when I got home for physical therapy, I was working as a second grade teacher. I was uh, working graveyard shift three nights a week as a, at a 24-hour fitness, like a local gym. And then I was a bouncer at a club on the weekend. And so I just didn't know what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and so that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to check out these different things and try some of the things that I've really enjoyed. And it just led to where I am today. Wow. So it, was, wow. it was somewhat of a blessing in disguise. Had it not happened, I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have a wife and three kids. I wouldn't be enjoying life right now. <laughs> right, right, right. It's what you do when adversity hits, you know, it's, it's how you handled it. And, and you went the, the smart path. Some people go the wrong way. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and I think that's a testament to growing up. I had a pretty rough childhood. So I knew, uh, I knew the easy way out wasn't it. Mm. wasn't the way to do things. So I always tackled things, whatever it was I wanted, whether it was difficult or not. Um, if it's what I wanted, I went after it. Nice. As a football coach, what, what is your role as the assistant head coach? I'm the number two in the sense of uh, my head coach, who's a really good friend of mine. When he first asked me to come over, he wanted me to be co-head coach with him. And I said, no, no, no. I've done that. <laughs> mm. I know what that can do. Um, but my role, as he puts it, is to be the other side of the coin. He is, we both believe in the kids. We both are uh, very much about love and team and family and this brotherhood on the field. Um, however, I'm a bit more stern. I'm a bit more about the discipline and focus. But at the same time, I'm also the one who connects with the kids very well because. I know what they're going through. I know what's going on in their life. And I kind of keep my pulse to the ground about uh, what's happening for these young kids today. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you encourage them um, before a game? I may, this is an interesting one. Uh, 
I have a saying, some kids need a kick. In. Can you curse on this or no? Go for it. Okay. I have an interesting one. Uh, I, I always say some kids need a kick in the ass. Some need a pat on the back and some need to be left alone. And some need a combination of all three or, or not. So as long as I know my player and what is going to motivate them the most, that's how I approach it. I used to be extremely fired up old school coach, the guy mm. that would throw his headphones around that would, mm. you know, blood pressure rising, but I started to lose my hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and honestly, it, it was something that happened with my son when he was five, I, I would bring my kids around coaching practice games on the sidelines all the time. And this was back when I was a head coach at a different school. And one day I saw my son in the dining room wearing headphones and he was walking around miming or talking and being really aggressive. And I thought he was listening to music, but I realized nothing was plugged in. Like mm. he didn't, there was nothing coming through the headphones. And I just kind of watched him. And then he took the headphones off and threw them against the wall. And I go, whoa, what are you doing? And he said, I'm playing football coach. Mm. And that changed my whole perspective on what it was to be a coach and how to get to folks in terms of motivation and how to pull the most out of them and their potential. And ever since then, I've had more successful teams. I've had better relationships with my players and I am happier. A five-year-old taught you an amazing lesson. That's awesome. Right? Five years old. You know, it, it's, uh, it's incredible when you realize that you can learn a lesson from anyone. And as long as you're open to do so, Anyone can teach you a lesson. Even the, the least expected person can teach you one. Yep. So you always keep your ears and your heart and your eyes open. So you use your behavioral degree, I guess, right? Or yes. your doctorate in order to help the athletes better? Very much. Um, the funny thing is a lot of coaches already do it. We, I just know what it is, the name that it's called in our science and how to do it in a very efficient and effective manner. Uh, so whether it's breaking skills down, uh, giving specific feedback, one of the biggest ones you see is coaches have a tendency to, when a person makes a mistake, to talk for five, 10 minutes about all the things they did wrong and how to do better and all this irrelevant information. And so I'm very succinct. This is what happened. Here's what I need you to do. Go do it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And I keep track, too, as well, of how, how many times I engage with a young man. So if I've looked up and realized by Thursday before the game that I've talked to Thomas and given him praise or feedback 15 times, but Cameron over here, I've only talked to him once. Well, Cameron's putting in just as much work as Thomas and deserves just as much of my attention and feedback mm -hmm. as Thomas does, whether Cameron plays or not. So I don't then just focus on Cameron and give him disingenuine feedback. No, I pay attention and give him real feedback that is just as meaningful as the stuff I've talked to Thomas about, if not more. Right, right. Well, because I personally believe that if you continually let someone know how they've done things wrong over and over and over again, in their mind, they're saying to themselves, they're no good. And, and, and you're diminishing what they could be. You're hurting them. So absolutely, I agree with you 100%. It's important to let them know the mistake they made, how they can fix it, and then go do it, go fix it. So absolutely, yes, I agree 100%. And the interesting thing in football, too, is um, 
everybody makes mistakes. I mean, in general, but in the game of football, it's impossible to have a perfect game. Mm -hmm. So the thing that has been, I think the, the best or the greatest uh, attribute or behavior I've engaged in as a coach is when it, someone makes a mistake is trusting them. Mm -hmm. I've, we've worked on this, you know, the skills, yes, you got beat in terms of this play, but it's okay. I trust that you're going to get back, go back out there. I'm not pulling you out of the game, go back out there and keep going. And there've been multiple young men who've pulled up, come, there's been multiple young men who've come up to me after a game and just say, thanks for trusting me, coach. And they've mm -hmm. succeeded, right? Mm -hmm. Because they saw that coach had faith in them that they could do it even when they didn't think so themselves. Yeah, and th that's critical because to have someone believe in you, even when you mess up, is big. Mm -hmm. I started watching football just because my girlfriend like, let's watch the Giants. And when I started watching it, right, I live in New York, so obviously you have to watch the Giants or the Jets. So they, they I'm sorry for you, man. I know, I hear you. <laughs> so, so what happens is I'm sitting there and I'm kind of cheering on the just the good plays. And they're like, you're cheering for the wrong team. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. But that was a really good play. Yep. And what wound up happening, they were like, man, we don't want you to sit with us when we watch. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'll try to be quiet. But it's like, secretly, I was like, man, that was a good play. And it didn't matter to me who the team was. It was the execution the, the the sportsmanship you know the ability of the person making the play and then i started really looking at quarterbacks and so now that's how i started watching football more see how the quarterbacks were playing and and you know because not only do they have to have eyes everywhere hopefully they have good uh, protection but the plays they were making and then so all of a sudden i started going oh wow this is really good and then I got more involved in the game. But at first, it was just, I didn't care. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I hear you. I, you know, thank you for being kind to me for telling you I, I watch the Giants now. <laughs> <laughs> so who's your favorite team? I know you're in California. Let's, let's hear it. Uh, you know, honestly, um, I, I, I had a favorite team when I was a kid. But now because of I don't know how much I know about the game or the way in which I watch it. I don't have a favorite team anymore, but if I had to pick one, it would, I guess as a kid, my favorite team was the Washington football team, which I know they're just as, uh, there's a, so much going on with them. Mm -hmm. um, but when I first started watching them, you know, they had the first African-American quarterback to win a Super Bowl with one of my favorite wide receivers. And that was a big moment for my dad. And that resonated with me. So, um, if I had to pick one, it'd be them, but I, there's no team that I say I got to watch every game of them this year. I just mm. like to watch good football. Yeah, agreed. Agreed totally. Talk to me about your virtual reality that, that you're doing. So I'm a virtual reality fitness coach, and I know a lot of people are like, what in the hell does that mean? Um, so the Oculus Quest headset, the virtual reality headset you put on, mm -hmm. there's an app in there called Supernatural. and it's it's a fitness app, but it's not what you would think. It's not doing push-ups or following a coach doing squats and and you know the typical exercises. Uh, it's it's almost gamified. What you have is these beautiful different environments, this popular music, 
in one hand, you have a, a black bat. In another hand, you have a white bat. And these black and white targets come at you from a portal with directions from which you have to strike them. And as you're, and there's triangles that come that you have to squat and lunge through. But, and as you are engaging in this activity, you'll hear my voice giving you feedback, giving you motivation, telling stories. Um, and before the workout starts, I pop up in your virtual world. Like you see me mm. take you through some warm ups. And then at the end, you see me take you through a cool down. Uh, I also provide guided meditations for them in there as a separate uh, piece to wellness and, and health and fitness. And it's a it's very, very interesting. I as an athlete myself, when I first got on board with this, I wasn't sure what, how it was going to turn out or where it was going to go. But people are losing weight on it. People are, are becoming um, actual fitness enthusiasts. People who have never worked out before are working out on a daily basis. And just becoming healthier and fit and it's been a crazy crazy ride and i'm having a lot of fun with it wow antonio let me ask you is that on a one-on-one -on -one or is that a group session how does that work so it's it's not live so these are all pre-recorded and done and mapped um, behind the scenes so you can go in and every day there's a brand new workout i'm one of five coaches mm. and so every day there's a brand new workout with a different coach and you get all this, the workouts that were loaded before. So if you want to go back and do other ones. And so you, you're by yourself listening to us. But with the features of the headset, if you and I wanted to jump on together at the same time and do a workout, we could talk to each other while we're working out. No, that's cool. So it, so it has this aspect of social community um, through technology. Mm. And how does someone find something like that? All you got to do is get an Oculus Quest headset uh, that you could buy at a Target, at a Walmart, at a Best Buy, Amazon, um, on the Oculus website. And then once you do that, you hook it up to your Wi-Fi and you can go in and there's all kinds of apps you can get into. And the one that I'm in is called Supernatural. That's so cool. That's so cool. How did you get involved with that? You know, it was interesting. I was just talking to my wife about this last night, how things work out. I was a full-time graduate professor for one university and it was burning me out. It was, it was crushing my spirit mm. and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I put in my resignation and when I was done, I said, you know what? The other jobs and other things I got going on are covering the bills. I want to do, but I have a lot of free time and I want to find something that isn't so strenuous on my brain. Uh, but it's fun and and I get to be involved with people and I still get to talk and I still get to engage. And it's something that I love to do. And so I went looking online for jobs and I found a fitness job as a coach at a boutique treadmill fitness studio where they did HIIT workouts. And I went and applied and they're like, oh, have you ever been a personal trainer? And I was like, no, but I've coached for years. I'm good at what I do. And they took a shot on me. And it was a success. And that company ended up being bought out by a corporate company that franchises them and places them all over the country. And they wanted to do videos kind of Peloton style. Mm -hmm. You can watch them at home. And I was asked to audition for that. And I went and auditioned and was, was chosen. And I did some work for them on this camera and a studio. And our head fitness trainer at this, uh, at this studio this uh, boutique treadmill fitness studio, she ended up leaving and going to work for the virtual reality. 
and she saw my work for this company in front of the camera. And she said, Hey, if you guys are looking for coaches, you got to check this guy. Mm. And that's all it was. Is I was, I was putting in the effort and work and, uh, being bigger than my environment. And it took me to places that I never imagined. Wow. Good for you. So what is your favorite part about coaching? My favorite part about coaching is the emotional roller coaster. Mm. You know, you try to stay even killed and keeping things in perspective. But in that moment, there are these highs and these lows and this, you know, you're so invested and you've put in so much work with other people. And to see that, you know, the fruits of your labor come out, even if it's not a win, just the effort, the things you see people do that they never thought they would do, whether that's, you know, doing a pull up for the first time or whether that's scoring a touchdown and winning a, a playoff game. Or if it's losing in the clutch moment at the last second, mm. where it's heartbreaking, but like you just got to give them a hug because like, oh, that was, I know it's heartbreaking, but man, that was so fun to be a part of and watch. Right. Um, and then all at the same time, on, underneath the surface, remaining calm and keeping perspective that it's just the game. It's just the game. But mm. man, is it a fun one. Right, right. It is just the game. And a lot of people don't realize that. How Very do you? True. How do you portray that to someone who doesn't get that? You know, uh, it all depends on the situation. But I think the biggest thing is, is you lead by example. If we do lose a playoff game and these senior football players are crying their hearts out, just giving them big hugs and telling them, I love you. I don't. Yeah, we lost. But man, what a crazy ride this year. I'm so grateful to be a mm -hmm. part of it. And I, I thank my athletes all the time. You know, it's always athletes thanking their coaches. I thank my athletes all the time. Thank you for letting me be a part of your journey. Like, thank you. Without you, I'm, I, I don't exist as coach, you know? So, um, and the other part of that is I'm not serious all the time. So if we're at practice and I'm kicking back and like, I'm, you know, the office is doing their thing or maybe we're, I'm back with another player. In the middle of practice, I may look at a player and go, you know, what's your favorite food? What's, what do you love to do the best? Like what's your getting to know them as a person where it's not just football, 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 football. There's so much more to life and who they are. They're not just a football player. And uh, I want to let them know that I see that and I see them and I actually genuinely care. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had a player that you have said to yourself, wow, this is by far the best player I've ever played? Yes, hands down. Um, I, when I was a head coach, I had one where I was just like, this kid's unreal. Uh, I actually, we were at a small private school and he had big hopes and dreams of playing division one football. And I had to call his dad and his mom and meet secretly and tell them, and I can say this now, cause I'm done with that school for a long time. Um, mm. I had to tell them, listen, if you really want him to have a chance to play division one and possibly NFL, you got to take him to another school. He's not going to get the looks here. Even if he is the best player in this entire league, the response would be level of competition isn't high enough. We're, we're too small of a school. We don't play the big national games for the spotlight he needs to be picked up by big teams. He was that good. He, he didn't mm -hmm. belong in our league. He should have been somewhere else if it was for football. But this kid, to his credit, had a good head on his shoulders and said, I love coach. I love this team. And I love the school that I'm going to because of the opportunities academically. So like, I'm okay for the team I'm currently coaching. We just graduated him 
this kid was an offensive lineman and my middle linebacker for three years. The quietest, kindest, most respectful kid you've ever met in your life, but on a football field, the scariest thing alive. Mm-hmm. Just unstoppable. And I trusted him with everything. It got to a point where I didn't even have to, I didn't, I could, I could literally go, Thomas, call whatever you want, because he was so prepared with my defensive game plan and and understanding what the other team was done that I could what I I could do what I believe a coach, a coach's goal is, is where you've done so well in teaching the skill that you can sit back in the rafters and watch it unfold without coaching at all. Mm. Because you've put in that work. And that was him. Um, and he's off playing college ball. He's amazing, amazing talent and extremely intelligent and just the best human being um, in terms of an athlete I've been around. Nice. So what would you say is your most powerful response you've received as a coach? At one of our banquets, I had a player of mine who got up to, to speak and his, both his mom and dad were there. And this happened as a head coach one year and also at the new school that I'm at as an assistant head coach, a different player did it in front of their parents and the rest of the team and their, all of their parents. They talked, to, they talked to the fact that I was like a father figure for them. And they apologized to their dad and, and said, I didn't want you to please dad. Don't take an offense. But coach was like a father figure for me. He was there outside of football when I needed someone the most. Mm-hmm. And especially as a young man who, when I was in second grade and I was asked by Miss Russell, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a great dad and an NBA basketball player. So to hear that, I had that same effect on someone who's outside of my own children was a powerful thing. It let me know that I was in the right spot and doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Why are you still coaching? Is it a passion? Yeah, because we don't get paid enough <laughs> to do it. <laughs> uh, for, small, for small high school football, you get a stipend of anywhere from three to $4,000 for the entire year. Mm. Um, so, you know, you can't survive on that. So it is because I love it. I love everything about it. Um, even the things that make me angry and that I, I don't want to use the word hate, but that I just get disgusted by. I love all of that as well. I know the day will come at some point where I have to really hang up. I've already hung up my playing cleats where I have to hang up my coach's whistle. And that's, that's just as tough to think about as it was to hang up my cleats from playing. I understand that totally. And uh, yeah, I don't know if I could ever stop coaching myself. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'll always be a coach at heart and do coaching things. But um, I think for me too, is I've got three boys and I don't, and if they choose whatever they choose to do, but if, especially if they choose to play high school football, I don't want to coach them and I want to be around to watch in all of their games and support them. So I don't want to be playing 50 miles down the road somewhere else while they're playing their own game. I want to be in the stands cheering them on. And well, you already said you want to be a great dad when you were in second grade. So there you go. <laughs> Still fulfilling that dream. Yep. Always. If, if you could put it into a few words, what has coaching given you? Coaching has given me life. And the, the reason I say that is because it's allowed me to see how connected all of us are as one, as you are me and I am you. It lets me see 
the effect that you can have as a human being on someone else with little things. It's given me connection to so many other human beings that when I'm, when I leave this body on this earth, I will have made an, a real impact in people's lives that they'll remember forever. And it's given me a way, you know, like you said to earlier, to realize that I can learn from everyone else around me just as much as I can teach everyone else around me. And so I'm constantly learning, constantly. Mm. Every year, every player is a new challenge, a new opportunity, every, everything we face. Um, a lot of people don't have the opportunity and the blessing to face the amount of adversity you do when you are a coach and you have athletes. Mm -hmm. And some people may say like, ah, that's not, I mean, that's not real life adversity. You're talking about a game. Yes. But in the moment, uh, that is everything that matters right there. We're there for three to four hours and we're not going anywhere. And, and that chess game that's happening on the field is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What would you say is the best advice you've received from a coach or a mentor? I mentioned, uh, I started losing my hair and I was being unhealthy in my behavior and I was just so emotionally attached, but in an aggressive way to the sport. And an older coach who had been coaching for decades pulled me to the side and I told him how I was feeling and how I didn't feel like people cared and I was so invested and no one else was and how this is driving me nuts and I'm losing my hair. And he simply said, if you allow others and situations to dictate your emotions, you deserve everything you get. Mm -hmm. and I took, yeah. And I took that to heart. I really understood at that point, like, wow, I'm not in control here. You know, you can't control everything, but the things I can control, I'm not even in control of those, mm. especially my emotional state and well-being. And like the, after that moment, everything changed. And it was the best piece of advice that had ever been given, not just in coaching, but in, in it's one of the best pieces of advice I've been given in life. Absolutely. So do you currently still have coaches of your own or mentors? I mean... Uh, as an assistant head coach, I sit under one person um, in terms of mentors uh, for business or life or career. No, but I do have a coach who I've always was interested in a lot of Eastern philosophy and Eastern uh, arts, um, martial arts and things of that nature. And Tai Chi was one of the things that for whatever reason, it grabbed my attention. Mm -hmm. And I searched for like three years trying to find the right Tai Chi teacher. Um, and I would call people, I would go and meet them, I would check out classes and just nobody felt right. Mm. And one day I walked into a class at a YMCA where everyone in the room was, you know, 60 years old plus, and I was this young whippersnapper. <laughs> and in, in walks this this man who had an energy that was palpable, you could just feel it the moment he walked in the room. And he was silent and he just had this, this energy about him, this vitality, this, this life that you could, that surrounded him. And, uh, you know, so they say when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. And when the teacher's ready, the student will appear. And I think that's what happened because he could see how interested and how focused and serious I was about being there and learning. And I'd be at every single class he had. And I'll never forget from the very first class, I felt like he was only looking at me and no one else. 
Like I felt like he was only directing his comments to me. And I, I almost got embarrassed at first. Like, I know there's all these other people here. Am I taking up too much energy? But no. And it led to him asking me to train with him on the side outside and, and wanting to take me to uh, certain things with other masters and learn things. And it was a true blessing. Uh, it changed, it changed my energy and the way I moved through the world. And it was, it was beautiful. And then COVID hit and it was very difficult to see him and things got moved to online and like, it just didn't have the same thing going on. Mm. It just wasn't the same. And so I'm waiting for the moment that I can walk back in and see him and have a smile and a head nod and, and fall in line. Right, right. You know, it's, it's, um, it's important what you did, which was continue to look when you didn't find. A lot of people quit right away. And they're like, I oh, won't see anything, not finding anything. This is no good for me. Meanwhile, you just pursued it and kept going until you actually walked into it, right? So that that's critical too. A lot of people give up too early. Yeah, a lot of people give up too early. Uh, if 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 you just keep moving, eventually you'll reach your destination. Mm. <laughs> like it may not have been the route you wanted to go, and the destination may end up changing. But if you stop, you'll never get there. A lot of people don't realize their purpose in life either. You know, obviously you have, because you're you're doing things that make you such a valuable asset to everyone that you come in contact with because you are bringing forth all the knowledge that you've received yourself and you're sharing it. Yes. I struggle sometimes with the idea of purpose, but um, if you put it in the context of sharing the uh, information and, and knowledge and wisdom, um, then yes. Oh, I see it. <laughs> I see it. Definitely. Any any words of wisdom that you can give anyone who is looking to become a coach? If you're looking to become a coach, start now. Don't wait. Take your licks and bruises as you go and keep on pushing forward. But always have respect for those above you, below you, your athletes, because without them, you don't even have the opportunity to be a coach. And and recognize that uh, you don't know everything. Mm -hmm. There's always more to learn. There's always room to grow. If you shut out those opportunities, well, then you've defeated the purpose. You have, absolutely. Where, where are your goals taking you lately? The biggest, I think where they're taking me right now is, is respect for my time and increasing my level of creativity and engagement with self. And realigning myself. I've spent so much time maneuvering in the conventional way that everyone's taught, you know, go to school, get a job, uh, be secure, health insurance and stable. And, and yes, it's provided me things that are a tad bit better than the life that I grew up with. But in terms of my level of happiness and my joy every day, no which is part of the reason I'm ending teaching grad school and I've got all these other things that I want to try and do. And the coaching football or this virtual reality are two great things in my life that I found that I love. And it's just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that I'm going to die one day, mm. right? Um, that I don't want to look up and it'd be the end of the road 
in this body and go, wow, I didn't do anything I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wasted so much time. Um, so it's just valuing my time. And the only, the only big, big goal that I have in terms of something that is material is I want to buy acres of land and build little houses all over for me and my family. Mm-hmm. And we we're there so that my kids have a place to, to go no matter what for the rest of their life. And it stays within the family. That's my biggest goal. Nice. It's a good goal. So providing for your family long-term. Yep. Important. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. You, you know, I really appreciate you spending time with me today. And like you said, your time is extremely valuable. And what you do with your time is, is very important. So I want to thank you today for spending time with me. Thank really you. appreciate Brad. it. Thank you. I appreciate being on and being able to share. And um, it's nice to be able to have these type of conversations and engage. So I'm extremely grateful and I appreciate uh, the time you've given me. My pleasure. Look forward to uh, keeping in touch with you and uh, keep me posted. I will, man. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.